Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I, sorry, I had to like make you all pause while I did a Google search um, because I went to Santa Barbara alone this weekend. Really recommend it. Very fun. Was so great to just get out of my house and travel. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But it was like, first of all, it was an epic windstorm. Um, We all live in LA, right? And so I sat down at an outdoor sushi bar, which I was like, why does everyone else get to be indoors? I was like, why is it because I'm the gross lone diner? And so like the tent flap was like hitting me and the wind knocked everything off my table every time the server gave me chopsticks it would lay down and then go whoosh right into the street so I lost like four sets of chopsticks my food was flying in my face I felt like the weird lone diner banished to the outside windstorm right so I was like Jesus Christ I feel like such an idiot then I went up the street to go have like a you know like one drink before I saw a screening of my friends film in the film festival and across the street I was like cool quick drink in and out pop into the theater I was like this place is called wild works spelled oh. w-y-l-d-e like old okay. timey if you will <laughs> and I walked in and the bartender is like so I was like uh, I assume maybe you have some wine along with the ales you're and he's like madam these are not wine or ales and I was like okay what is it and he was like all of our beverages are made of mugwort what I know Uh, and I was like and I was just like this is the most dangerous it's the only thing I have anaphylactic reaction to in the world but it's (laughs) it's like an allergy that you just don't really have to worry about because it's not in a lot and I was like I'm sorry what and he's like mugwort in everything and like he was like flushed and red faced he's like it's good stuff and i'm like i don't think you're tolerating it (laughs) Ah, he's on death's door they've been poisoning him with mugwort this entire time i promise you i'm not allergic (laughs) and then like a big boil exploded on his face and hit you in the face i was truly like like, at a medieval times fucking pub it was insane i ran for my life Oh, you guys, well, welcome to Sidework Podcast. I am your host, Andrea Wallace. And I'm your host, Brooke Van Poplin. And joining us today, first time on the show, probably won't be his last. Please welcome Seth Sam, everybody. Hello. Hi, Seth. Thanks for joining us, Brooke. I'm, I I think you officially visited the most dangerous city in America, <laughs> just personalized to you. Personalized <laughs> to me. It felt, you know, like 
you feel as a lone diner. I'm not a terribly insecure person, but you were like, it was all groups of teenagers sitting Everything inside. Was working against you. Yeah, yeah. Like they were all in the safety indoors together watching sad lady lose her chopsticks over and over again outside in the windstorm. And the way that you're describing the wind is like, I feel like these chopsticks are just like flying like Chinese, like ninja stars, like, like piercing cactuses left and right. You well, know, then we talk about the QR code in the little plastic table tent couldn't even scan the menu because that fucking took off across the avenue like every I was like can I get another menu please it was I felt really dumb I felt could you bring me heavier food I keep losing it Uh, this isn't the type of light there I was uh, talking about when I decided to go for sushi Uh, (laughs) truly I was like okay I didn't want to get ramen but that's pretty heavy Mm -hmm. you know that's gonna come in a big two pound bowl (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. something that sits like a brick in my stomach is definitely what I'm like gonna need uh, for this dining experience Ah. Yeah, oh, and then like so I know good. it's so dumb, and like on the fourth round of losing all of my napkins and chopsticks, I I kept them in my coat pocket, and then the server's like, "Oh, let me get you napkins and chopsticks." I was like, "Nope, nope, been keeping them safe in my pocket." And he's like, "Weird lady, <laughs> weird, ah. weird old." Oh, like it's the first time they had fucking wind in Santa Barbara. I know, That's so funny, so dumb. Um, well, you know, mugwort while is not good for Brooke. You know what is good for Brooke? lo-fi aperitifs <laughs> no don't don't ever say the word mugwort and our beautiful co-branded sponsor oh, no. Actually, lo-fi I, aperitifs. I, no but i was saying bad things about mugwort and good things okay. about lo-fi you're just so did you inhale some of the noxious fumes have you been poisoned no mugwort I, can suck it lo-fi is great is basically what i'm saying you know and i, I did write in the in the document that Seth is currently working at a really nice uh, high end sort of bottle shop upscale liquor store that sells lo-fi. Tell us Hell about yeah. it. Do you want me to tell you about it? If you want, I mean, we know about it, but you know. Yeah. No, I mean, I I'm not an expert on lo-fi wines. I know it's a local um, um, booze producer. Uh, oh yeah. Baby. I first I first had their wines uh, at. Covell. That was when I first went to Covell. You guys know where Covell is. Oh, we yeah. love Bar Covell. Uh-huh. Love Bar Covell. Um, and, you know, they have cool um, labels and stuff. But, yeah, we do. We have, like, aperitifs. We have, like, their vermouth. And uh, and they sell really well. They're super popular. They they are delicious. And they're made with love. And, um, you know, uh, and you don't have to buy. What do you mean you don't know anything about them? You just described it all. I, you described I, it perfectly. I, I have to to beat myself up before I say anything. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Guys, I'm going to, I'm going to beef this hard. So just bear with me. Um, No, I, you know, you couldn't have said it more perfectly. We love that we keep finding organic ways to talk about how much we love. It's California in a bottle, baby. Napa ingredients, fantastic aperitifs. So guys, we hope more and more that you will see lo-fi or keep getting interested because we're not going to stop talking about it. Mm -mm. Seth, where are you working? That that yeah. Um, I work at a place called the Liquor Fountain on Fountain Avenue. Nice. And we sell liquor, so Uh 
I would mm-hmm. hope so. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. a confusing name. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. It's all fountains. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. That we that have that that we lick, actually. Mm-hmm. It's a it's we're su- of, we're really surprised we lasted through COVID. It's this weird. Uh, no one's really licking. Up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we happen to sell for moves. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know. You know the type of store. But um yeah, guys, we love it. Get get interested, get excited, get yourself some lo-fi. Mm-hmm. And I think that qualifies as talking about our beloved beverage. Yay. Yep, Yay. Once again. Oh my God. <laughs> All right, let's jump right into some headlines. Yes. I'm opening this one again. Oh boy. And guys, I think everywhere I'm hearing on the news, I had my own date circled on a calendar, but a lot of people are calling this week two years of COVID. Which I'm a little oh. bit like, I remember being closed down on March 16th, okay? So mm-hmm. I'm still not there yeah. yet. Not, right. Not ready for my big parade, you know? We're going to have our <laughs> COVID anniversary parades in the streets. But, so some people are counting it already as two years of the pandemic. For me, my pandemic had already been existing for about a year and some change, <laughs> as was. So I'm actually going into three years of isolation and no work. But... um. Here we go. Uh, Here's a cool statistic from Food and Wine. Diners are tipping less than they did before the pandemic data shows. So basically, Uh, yeah, tips at full service restaurants have fallen 10% since their pandemic peak, according to some insights from the Square Payment platform, which we, I don't, I feel like no one takes money any other way than Square right now. What a monopoly. I'm not saying it's good or bad. Isn't it but... called, what did they change the name, right? Because Jack, yeah. um, Jack, uh, Jack Twitter. Jack that's Twitter. Yes, Jack, Twitter. Jack Twitter bought Square and, and renamed it Block. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Be- because he can, you know, it can doesn't, do that. nothing matters. That's a real parallel move, you know, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> yeah, name wise. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I don't think the model changed at all. It was just boredom, I guess. You know, just boredom just because he can, you Mm -hmm. know, Um, he's like, I'm going to take this square and like make it three dimensional by calling it block. Thanks. Bye. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, So we don't exactly know what's going on, uh, because obviously during the pandemic, um, you did see an uptick in people over tipping because the horror show of watching our beloved restaurants potentially not make it. We were throwing money at them. Customers who were always awful continued to be awful found even, so it's like they don't factor in if they were bad before the pandemic, they were worse during it. They didn't suddenly have a change of heart and grow respect. So we're talking about people who have consistently tipped for probably some reason or another, the tipping has gone down. Um, And I really was thinking is it because now on checks you will see that extra charge for livable wages and people start to do weird math and decide to tip less? I was thinking that and just like prices are more in general as was my theory is that, you know, you're seeing like, you know, burgers are up by five bucks and cocktails are $20 and, you know, it's just maybe it's that too. There's all sorts of. Yeah, I think it's prices going up. And I also think um, Square gives you multiple choice options. And, well, that's true. Yeah. And it's like, oh, 15% sure. With where as another time, you know, that guilt might kick in and they were like, no, I got to tip more. And they'll just 
round up and do some number that makes them feel good about leaving a tip. Whereas like, oh, the machine is offering me this opportunity to only tip 15%. And then I don't have to think about it. And, you know, and it's like the waiter is like a lot of times standing right there. So it's like this, there's just a lot less, uh, I guess, of the, a lot, a lot less ambiguity. And it's just more of a rote kind of ritual where it's like, you just press a button and there's a lot less, I think people were also really depressed during the pandemic and you know uh they're just you know people people weren't as happy to um dine out and it was just an i i mean the two years we dined out like very few times i tipped but it was it was just the skeevy experience for the most part um i've never been like i mean i would i'm a veteran server service industry guy but uh um, I don't, I'm not like a habitual dine outer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people consider themselves like professional diners and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they, they pride themselves on how much they tip and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of it is just, uh, the, the depressing kind of malaise that took over the country and also, um, yeah, the square thing. I think that's a big thing. That's, Cause I, I find myself like, wow, 18% is only that? I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. 18% is pretty good, but that doesn't seem like a very good tip. But it's like people are pressing it anyway because they, because, because that's- I think you can actually, and I I could be wrong, but I think you can customize your percentages because I've been to places where it's like 18, 20, 25. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's no 15 as an option. Yeah. Oh, I always see the 15. And because the person has turned the screen away from them, but are standing there, I always- you know, completely, and I would anyways, but there's no hesitancy to choose 20% where I'm like, I'm one of the good ones. Um, Obviously when it's like a coffee shop that gets weird, I always override it and do custom tip because, you know, I'm like, no, like $1, $2 because the 15% might be like total trash. It's like, here's 14 cents, sir. You know, where it's just like, no, no, no. You know, with that, I override it. Um, Apparently this article is saying Customers may be under tipping because only about 70% of the U.S. population knows that it's customary to leave a gratuity between 15 to 20%. We still aren't getting this message, Jesus folks. Christ. <laughs> and like 15 isn't even, it's, I thought we bumped it to 18. I thought that 15 was like completely out of fashion. Like, meh. I know. It's like, that is just so mind boggling to hear, especially when, you know, it's, it's like, and again, if we have to go back and remind people, yes, if prices are going up, you know, in terms of the food uh, supply chain and what restaurants can afford, it's going to be reflected on the menu. Yeah. You still have to do the math. Can I afford yeah. the meal? And can I afford the tip that goes with the service? Yeah. And I think people are once again reverting to that spot where like, I'm going to get mine, but fuck them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And until and we decide again to pay our servers, everybody, a living wage where we can abolish the tipping system. Right. That's a whole other fucking issue. But until then, this is the system and this is the way it fucking works. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, I, uh, what a roller coaster. I, I will. It's the same thing with um with voting. You know, did, we've had all kinds of time to figure out how to vote correctly and improve things. <laughs> mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, we're mm-hmm. still there's still books coming out today explaining like 
how our government works or whatever. And it's just like, we're, we're never going to collectively learn to do the right thing. And I think it's baked into our DNA as a nation to always kind of be debating and never kind of deciding what the right thing is. And it's just like, oh, I'm right because this is what I learned and whatever. And so, and I think like the, the people not tipping, a lot of people who don't know it's customary to tip, there's a lot of poor people out there that don't dine out. So they may be, I don't know if they're part of the respondents, but like, it's a big deal for a lot of people to dine out maybe once in a blue moon. And so tipping, they have no clue. And sure, so they may, you know, but uh, I, I, uh, I am very, I'm a big fan of the idea of abolishing uh, tipping. Uh, oh, yeah. But, but I, I'm a, I'm a good tipper, but I, I hate that it's the system that, we've been boxed into yeah and uh, it's it's hard to argue for doing well and we talked about it so endlessly on the show and we could we could very well like keep talking about this all day show me the money let's shift shall we from our country to south of the border in our next headline this one's so fun out of eater so did you guys know that there's like tons of bootleg Moe's taverns all over Latin America. (laughs) (laughs) And for some of our younger listeners who may not enjoy The Simpsons, A, you've been tasked to start watching The Simpsons. It's one of the greatest cartoons ever. And uh, Moe's Tavern is the iconic tavern and Moe the grouchy fucking bartender who we love uh, you know, it's an iconic part of the show. Sometimes you have I to love do this that we disclaimer. have to explain it. I'm Dude, Andrea, people are like 22 who listen to this shit, you know? Well, actually, though, they're saying in Latin America, specifically, The Simpsons, it's the most syndicated show ever. It's on everywhere. And it, it spans generations of lovers, mm-hmm. which is why it's so embedded in everyday life. And because of the working class, like, pro-worker, blue-collar point of view that the show puts across, lots of people really relate to it in in Brazil, in Mexico, in Guatemala, in Ecuador, in, in fucking Honduras, in Costa Rica, in Colombia, mm-hmm. Paraguay, Chile, Peru. All of these countries have, they have knockoff most taverns. Some of them are like pretty like, I don't know, low scale. Maybe they just have like a little theme here and there. Some of them have like a full on like melting Homer, like Dolly background everywhere. Um, this is and incredible. Like love machine. I think one yeah, of them even love- has like the love machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They know what they're so- doing. They absolutely know what they're doing. And a, a lot of it is representational of the fact that like this is a really affordable way to like have this f- kind of like visit to Universal Studios mm-hmm. or, you know, escapism because you can't just afford to fucking take a trip to Florida or to L.A. and go to Universal Studios. And by the way, that most tavern is dumb like <laughs> never been it's it's just a recreation at a theme park it's all it is you go in it's like a super you have to get super id to be able to drink because there's lots of kids there you have to be like kind of warded off it's not the same whereas these motherfucking like latin america mo's i'm sure like that's the experience we all want mm-hmm. like an actual working class bar that just so happens to look exactly and be themed like most tavern from the Simpsons. Mm -hmm. Like this is, I'm like so fucking (laughs) on board. Oh, so Fox, right. 
and Universal, like they they they've cracked down on some of them. And you would think like, oh, like who cares? Like for copyrights, like if there's like <laughs> a small town outside of the Andes, like that's like got a most themed bar, but they're saying that it deludes the brands. And so they have to go after some of these bars for copyright infringement to the point because a lot of these bars were actually like selling duff beer is what they were calling it. <laughs> that, that Fox started brewing their own beer, their own labeled like uh, branded duff beer to basically be like, you can't sell duff beer. And then, of course, like they come back, you know, and are basically saying, well, and we're making like our version of duff beer instead. So it's this really amazing back and forth thing, but I just think it's like the oddest, most fun story we've come across in so long. Yeah. And that's gotta be the most dystopian like backstory for a craft beer. Like our family <laughs> came together to put a stop to this bootlegging under the south of the border. <laughs> and so we have this very decorational duff beer. I've never tasted it, but you know, it's like, it's a legal thing. And yeah, it's just like, uh, it, there's no love behind it. It's the, it was a very, very cynical reason to create a beer. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, you know. for sure. Absolutely. It totally reminds me of like, I don't know if you guys are watching the dropout at all, but it's like, mm -hmm. you know, the, 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 parent's friend who like in invents patents the thing and then Elizabeth Holmes has to like actually buy or buy him off to go through like that I think that's kind of what it reminds me of if that makes any sense I didn't know most of the story by the way of the dropout before that and it's not my favorite show but the soundtrack is fierce and it makes me feel like I'm in my 20s again I'm not gonna lie <laughs> that's how I feel about um Yellow Jackets oh yeah you guys watch that also oh, oh yes yeah. oh great oh, yeah. okay great 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 we we are adults of a certain age, yeah. so that yeah, we are sure. like this is a, a show completely like, like pointed toward us as females who graduated from high school in 1996 and 1997. 96. Mm -hmm. Class of 96 yeah. over here. I yeah. can't believe there's a show about Class of 96. My our moment has arrived. Uh, <laughs> really, they understand uh, us finally. Really I was like, the theme is by that dog. Are you fucking kidding me? Did I make this show? <laughs> crazy it's great it's uh, so good is there a are there many moe's taverns in the states or just we are afraid you know that i have not looked up i i guarantee it's probably just the universal yeah, studios I, ones otherwise your the copyright infringement would be like i'm sure they pounce on your real hard here yeah. but i yeah. like, but it did i like that in latin america you know it's called los simpson you know or mm -hmm. uh, i like that this duo wanted to open a bar called sizzlack which you know you gotta love that's moe's last name Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, so they're finding ways to get around it a little bit to not have the copyright infringement completely yeah. recognized. One bar kind of got cracked down on it by calling it Moe's Tavern. Now they call it Blue Ribbon, which like is a nod to like Moe's bow tie, and that's how they're skirting it. Um, it's, so, yeah. it, it's just like, let them have it. What let the, the people have oh, their no. Moe's Tavern. Let I mean, them Simpsons have their is, Simpsons is owned by Disney nowadays, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. that is correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and does Disney also own Star Wars? Is that correct? I, I think. Yes. I, I yeah. They're yes. all peas in a pod. I remember uh, in the early 2000s, a friend of mine's band, they were they were from Indiana and they had their own record label called Dead Droid Records. No. And fucking LucasArts sought them out. I mean, they're in Evansville, Indiana. They're a nothing label. They're an independent label. And um, the LucasArts sought them out and with a cease and desist. And we're like, they're like, no dice we're today. Gonna, we're going to bury you. It's like they're oh, already boy. buried. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, just let the people have They're in fun. Indiana, okay? Yeah. They, they were born buried. Mm-hmm. Um, no uh, offense, right. Indiana. Right. No offense. No offense. Well, good headlines today, Brooke. Should we should we jump into these weird this how what are we even calling this segment? Well, their server submitted stories that you didn't send us. So they're from Reddit. We what? went fishing on Reddit on the server life sub Reddit. So guys, we found but we found some good stuff. It should get some um, conversation stirred up to get you sending us some more of your uh, server submitted stories. So, okay, so I found a great topic today, a big thread that everyone jumped on. Uh, The subject matter was awkward tables. And this post (laughs) definitely kind of blew up. This is from a server who posted that says, I know everyone here has had a table that said or did something that was weird or awkward and made serving them uncomfortable. But I had this couple sit at my table and I went to greet them. But before I could get through the word hello, I was interrupted. The man loudly blurted out, I want a divorce. (laughs) Wow. The lady clearly had no idea this was about to happen. So we both just stared at the guy in complete shock and confusion. The couple stared at each other like they were both confused by what had just come out of his mouth. And while I'm just standing there, like, what the fuck? I ended up just walking away without a word and came back about 10 minutes later after they'd finished their full-on screaming match. They somehow made it through an entire lunch together without speaking to one another, and it was so incredibly tense for everyone in the restaurant. Who does this? Has anyone else had a table do this before? Which we'll get to the responses. But they came back to say, I just felt so bad because the lady clearly hadn't expected him to do that. And it had happened so suddenly that I, I myself just had to walk away to also process what the fuck just happened. I figured they'd leave to handle their issues, but they didn't for whatever reason. Also, I found out later he told her in a public setting because he thought he needed witnesses when oh. he told her. Oh, someone lawyered up before they decided to do it, maybe. This is like a scene out of a movie, first of all. You know, this is like very This much. is your cold open to a movie, mm-hmm. right? I've been like, I can't take it anymore. It's blurted out. Yeah. Um, How did the but server- they're like... <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Oh, how did the server not immediately say, sir, please order off the menu when he said uh, I wanted divorce? Ah, 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 that's that's the best menu. joke in three years we've ever had on this show. <laughs> <laughs> I just like that they were like, fuck, this is terrible. Our lives are falling apart. But I really had my heart on this Cobb salad. So I really... <laughs> I'm just going to muscle through. <laughs> yeah. I really don't want to go with her, but that restaurant is delectable. I got- <laughs> mm, my life's we- shambles. Before we get into the responses, I think it's just like this is kind of just how like people can view restaurants as an extension of their own homes where they're like in charge and they just come and do whatever they want. Right. <sighs> this is definitely a part of that. Right. You're you're like, it's a table, not a timeshare. Um, <sighs> You know, like there are no walls around you. You are in public. Um, I also think there is a weird. So there there are two things. Right. So I've always heard. When people are in a volatile relationship, they take someone out in public to break up with them so that they won't get their ass beat, you know, and women Mm. sometimes do this, which that's the darker side of the exchange. If they're fearful, 
in a sort of domestic abuse situation or if it's a man who's like, I don't want her to lose her shit um, and go go wild on me in this restaurant. So that's why I've saved this special occasion in public to end our relationship. Um, but then I also think, according to this person, I think they just got really bad info. You don't need witnesses in a restaurant to confirm yeah. that you told someone you want a divorce. Yeah. 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 And <laughs> you also don't need to blurt it out when the server's right there. Like, don't you have a plan? Didn't didn't he plan this? No, no. At all. He yes. I assume this person had a huge plan, but then just like flubbed it. Like we've seen yep. so many times, and just like just you know, like blew his wad, if you will. Yeah. I know that's a terrible analogy, but like or thing to say. But that's kind of it, you know. Just blurt it all out at once. And sometimes that's how you rip the bandaid off. Is like you've mm-hmm. done all this explaining, all this you know, you've got like a, a pre-written letter in your bag. You've got all the you know, and then you're like. I don't love you. And it's like the only thing that comes out, but it's the most honest. And here's where we are, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, let's read a response to this story, which Other these are always awkward. so fun. So here's a response with their story. So I approached the table once with a family, husband, wife, and two kids, and the man nicely asked me to turn down the music. I didn't think the music was very loud, but thought it wouldn't hurt to ask my manager. It was the middle of the day and slow, and the manager said that the music is as low as, it's can, as it can go without being fully off. So I go back to the table and let them know that, unfortunately, we can't turn it down any further. And then the man starts yelling at me and says I'm either stupid or lying and then storms out of the restaurant. The wife followed but left the kids. They haven't even received their food yet. And about 10 minutes later, the husband sheepishly comes up to me and apologizes while the wife is fuming in the background they went back to their table and ate in silence left a decent tip though but man what a weird experience um this might have been my dad (laughs) (laughs) this is if if you would never have yelled at a server but this is i don't know family season one this is a season one saying when you're like it's not about the pasta not about the pasta this had nothing to do with you um it's really unfortunate that you are like we said people having lack of control in their life unfortunately see retail and service industry as where they can go punch down and be the Mm -hmm. boss Mm -hmm. and someone in this guy's life possibly the wife and kids are stupid liars, you know, or, 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 you know, maybe they're stupid. Maybe they're lying to him. Maybe I don't know. I feel like he's the stupid no, but liar. I, personally, hey, I was, was going to get I was going to get there. Like, maybe that's happening or they're like, you're stupid and a liar. And then he basically had that classic thing, which is, you know, deflection um, or whatever. And uh, all it took was not being able to lower the music. To have one of these, as we're continuing to see, wild COVID meltdowns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't even know if this was during COVID. People have been doing this forever. Well, COVID's just making a lot of people process their unprocessed trauma. And yeah. we're all we're all getting to see it out in the open. Yeah, did you see and there that- was a lady in Walmart throwing so like during Black History Month in Walmart, there were Black Lives Matters scented candles, and she was launching them across. Walmart onto the ground, smashing them, going, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Don't Matter. She goes, My pussy matters. My oh. pussy matters. And you're like, okay, I'm not sure how to unpack this, but she's she's not well. 
Right. She's not, that one, sound, that well. one sounds like it is about the pasta. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Her pasta hasn't been getting any airtime. You know what I'm saying? I don't even boy, know boy, what's... Boy, boy, boy. Anyways, but yes, like, so a lot of weird mental health challenges and unprocessed trauma, 100%. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like just under the surface where it mm-hmm. used to be more buried for sure. Yeah. And restaurants are the, are kind of, you know, a safe place for people to act out i feel i don't know like they there's just less uh fear of being looked at weird because they've been told the customer's always right and yeah in sure. many cases thank god if you have a good manager you're not you're asked to leave <laughs> so, absolutely oh, yeah but oh, i yeah. i am proud that the you know again the wife clearly marched in uh her stupid husband uh to apologize and then they had a nice family meal together <laughs> Well, the next response, which I'll just dive into, uh, says the worst is when couples are fighting or there is a group trying to have a serious, a very serious conversation. My most awful table recently recently was someone ordering kitchen cabinets. <laughs> they had all this paperwork all over the table. So I literally had to set the plate onto things, including cabinet samples. <sighs> they were uncomfortable ordering and didn't want to be rushed. They actually wanted to spend like two hours there. And I basically... And, and basically, basically have a yeah. have a piece of pie. Basically have a piece of pie. No, they got the hint and ordered more, but they kept making me come back and add things. Obviously, just trying to drag out the meeting. Mm. Go get a conference room or something. Oh shit! Um, boy, God, when cabinets. Cabinets. How is cabinets it, a long discussion? Uh, well, oh, have, yeah. you, have you ever tried to design <laughs> a kitchen, well. Seth? Sometimes your head just spins. Your head just spins. You think you have a decision made, then somebody shows you something else, and it's fucking crazy, but not at, you know, not at a restaurant. It's not about the cabinets. We're not blaming. Cabinets are not to blame here. You know, you should put time, effort, and thought into your cabinets. You just don't bring in the fucking you know, five boxes of sample and try and turn a restaurant table into your home office or work station. That is wild yeah um because you know if you spilled something god forbid on the piece of cabinetry sample that was on the table that is supposed to be for food and beverage and eating i mean people are so fucking crazy Mm -hmm. it's something else (laughs) (laughs) yeah all right and then uh sorry about sorry cabinets i didn't mean i didn't mean to attack cabinets you got yeah. an asshole family sitting right there and I go after the cabinets. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm on the wrong podcast. You're on the wrong <laughs> podcast. We are cabinet positive uh, on this show. <laughs> so go take your cabinet bashing words to, you know, I don't know, to Joe Rogan. Um, All right. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I uh, we have one more response to the awkwardness experienced as a server. She says she he's the server. Okay, I had a woman wave me away from her table where she was having a probably not so friendly conversation with her two teenage daughters. She followed up the dismissive wave with this is a private conversation, if you don't mind. And I was like, (laughs) uh, okay, ma'am, this is a restaurant. And then just said, get the fuck out of here, you know, to herself, not to the person. But that's another thing, too. Like like what you said, you know, Seth, is like people are very comfortable making the restaurant, thinking it's their safe space in their home. And 
are just so rude to you when you're doing the nature of the job. In any other situation, they'd be mad if you didn't approach them, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Oh, um, Andrea, what do you say? I think that's enough for this. Installment. I think so too. Yeah, I agree. Okay, I don't think we, I, right I don't think we, oh, I got notes. Okay. I don't think we need to do anymore. That was Ooh. so good. But um, if that's inspiring to you guys. Yeah. Tell you know? us about, tell us about the most awkward stuff that customers, you know, have said or done or situations they've put you in. If that shakes loose some stories, we want to hear them from you and you know where to send them. Sideworkpod at gmail.com. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Okay, well, let's move on to... You know, the topic of the day, which centers around my old friend, Seth, um, who I met you in New Orleans in like mm-hmm. 2003, 2004, then met you again in Austin. Mm-hmm. Then I got to meet you. I mean, I'm not meeting you over and over again, but then we were in New York together. It's now so nice in LA. to meet you, Brooke. She was. It's, every time she didn't remember meeting. you, she was like, oh, nice to meet you. You were like, yeah, we've met You're before. Like, God mm-hmm. damn it, Brooke, it's Seth. <laughs> Anyways. But, you, you know, I like. I like to think that our roads have kept converging, but to be fair, Andrea is meeting you for the first time. Hello. Mucho gusto. And so are all of our listeners at the same time, which is where we kind of start, Seth. So like, why don't you give us a little like brief history, if you will, on your service industry background? Okay. Um, So I got started when I was 15, 15 or 16. Uh, my very first job was at TCBY. It was a stopgap yeah, job. Yeah, the country's best yogurt, country's in case y'all country. didn't know. country's best yogurt. Uh, there's, there's actually two acronyms. Uh, I remember when I first showed up to Austin, I did a joke about TCBY. And, um, and somebody was, they came up to me after. They were like, it's not the country's best yogurt. It's this can't be yogurt. And I was like, no, 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 that's <laughs> fucking stupid. Not this can't be yogurt. It's actually, You're like, that's, I can't believe it's not butter, dude. Right. Really? This, I, I also like this can't be yogurt. It's like, that's almost like an angry, like at that point you're like, are you fucking with me? You know, uh, but this, uh, so there was an argument and then, and then right after that, they were like, um, and you shouldn't talk about TCBY anyway because of the TCBY murders. People still remember them. And I was like, what is going on? I just wanted to do a joke about TCBY. <gasps> but anyway, that's what, <laughs> I, but long story short, I, I, I dropped the joke because in Texas, that's a volatile subject. You just don't, wow. you just don't bring out TCBY. And a you lot don't of get nan- nasty wrong. know-it-alls. Yeah. So yeah. I, um, but yeah, then. I- Oh, ahead, can go, I go. can I interject? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think some of Andrea and I's favorite um, pun 
you know, names for franchises and stores are definitely like bead stores rule mm-hmm. the roost. Bead stores and are up pho, there with dumb puns. Mm-hmm. And then frozen yogurt. Um, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Are also ruling, you know, there was a place uh, on the Jersey Turnpike called Let's Yo. And I know I we wrote a lot of jokes about that. Like when they pick up their phone, like they're like, do you want this to stay or to yo? Um, what's, <laughs> I, and that's the only joke I can think of at the moment off the top of my head. I worked but, in a place that was like the name was an acronym. I would come up with new stuff all the time, I'm sure, like with my coworkers. <laughs> of course. I mean, that's um, like, yeah, that's just a gift of comedy for the fucking beleaguered coworkers. But yes, yeah, so TCBY, first job ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I had that job and... Um, are you from I, Louisiana? I'm from Louisiana. So I grew, I grew up in Metro, Louisiana. And if you know where that is, um, then you know why it, I'm not there anymore. And so um, I, I grew up in Metairie and my, my brother was a bartender at, 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 at uh, Applebee's. And so nice. he essentially uh, got me a job there, busting tables. And um, so that kind of set me on a path of of a bunch of service industry jobs after that because uh i should not have worked at applebee's and i should not have that shouldn't have been my path it, it was my path i gotta live with it now but um but yeah i uh i was given the job sure it was like it was i was i was a very immature 16 year old Mm -hmm. and so i should not have been working anywhere where they expected like results and so and i also didn't take the job (laughs) seriously because it was just given to me yeah look we've all watched the crown we know some of these people aren't made they don't want to they don't even want to be a part of the royal family we get it you know yeah and so i've had kind of this conflicting relationship with the service industry where it's like I've been there. I've I've been in front of the house and back of the house, and I I have a lot of empathy for them. But I also know that um, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of restaurateurs, a lot of restaurant owners who who probably should be doing something else. And I I seem to be <laughs> I seem to keep uh, I was working for a lot of those guys, and I say guys because uh, in Metairie they were all the all the management was all guys, mm-hmm. uh, top to bottom, and they all you know they're all of a certain brand. Um, and so I just, I was a really nerdy, introverted, like underdeveloped kid bussing tables really slowly because I had anemia and I just, <laughs> just I was a problem kid. And they were like, can you, I remember this, this guy, Trevor, who was my, my, uh, my first boss. And he was, he was like the busing manager. He made the schedule for the busters and the hosters. And um, I guess I was supposed to want his job eventually. I just didn't get it. But he kept telling me to put it in second gear. And I drove a stick and I'm like, second gear is not that fast either. Like- <laughs> <laughs> I'm essentially, I, it's like one less than idling. Thank right. you. Exactly. Um, that's hilarious. Yeah. And so after Applebee's, it was a whole lot of other chain restaurants. Um, uh, but I eventually, when I got out of Metairie, I got in New Orleans. Um, thanks. Thanks to a uh, hurricane. Um, it's when it pushed me to Austin and I found uh I had been working at it, so I got my salary, my start in cheese at Whole Foods, which is a great place to start if you you know you want to. Twenty years ago, it's a great place to start if you want to if you want a mm-hmm. cool job. Now I wouldn't recommend it, but um, but I, I worked at the cheese department in Whole Foods, and that got me very interested because I realized you could, you know, it was a it was very fun to learn about all this stuff 
and learn all this esoteric stuff and kind of like have this secret knowledge. Um, and it was a, you know, it's a, it was a fun job. And so when I got to Austin, I found this co-op, Wheatsville co-op. Uh, what's up, Wheatsville? And so, I know Wheatsville. I remember Wheatsville. They're, they're yeah. amazing, Wait, amazing. Uh, okay. Great little co-op. And so I walked in there and um, asked for a job uh, to be their cheesemonger and I got it. And so nice. that was, that was cool. And that kind of, you know, I was a cheesemonger for most of my time in Austin and also a server. And then when I got to New York, that's when I started like managing cheese shops and uh, wow. full, full-time cheesehead, baby. So yeah. let's, let's dive into this then. Well, hold so on. Were you, mm-hmm. I, I do want to start because yes, I, book. so when you talk about cheese, it makes me think of queso. Queso yeah. makes me think of Austin, Texas. Yeah. And what's happening right now, as we have to talk about the fact that you were a server when every year 10 to 14 days of treachery falls oh, upon Austin, sure. Texas, oh, yeah. which is called South by Southwest, which mm-hmm. is back, baby. Mm-hmm. Two years being canceled. Do, do you want to just like um, freeform emotions and words that come <laughs> to mind? <laughs> I will be completely honest. South by was not my, my Waterloo. It wasn't, it wasn't the nightmare for me because a lot of times, because I don't know, like I was also a performer. And so like, that was, that was great when you could be on stage during it. That's the place you want to be. There was one, there was one South by where I, I, I served beer right before like i was i was working as a bartender and bad brains was on and then i left my shift to go do a set right after bad so bad brains opened up for me which was pretty cool <laughs> nice. yeah. those nice. were the days when bad brains opened up for me but uh but uh yeah so south by it not so bad march madness is actually oh the f- fucking worst because huh. Because at least South by, I don't know, at least South by nothing, but 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 there's a lot of hell that comes with with working South by. But March Madness is a special kind of hell because it's it's families from small towns and they're like teenage children or or or, or they bring their kids mm, to like yeah. watch like they're, they're, it's really what is March Madness? It's all college. It's all college, right? But then right, right. there just seem to be a lot of teens involved too i don't know what's sure. going on well because but, a lot of them are probably teen you know they're they're playing high school basketball thinking yeah. that they've got you know maybe a scholarship coming their way and, for sure or it's just a family affair because it's just sports yeah. sports in general you know yeah. yeah and so i worked at a, a place called the brick oven in austin and it was right down the block from the big frank Irwin center where all the basketball games were and um like it was one brand of customer just one and it was big families who arrived on buses zero etiquette they actually just filled (laughs) filled with hatred they're just i don't know i was like you think march madness i guess i should have known right there they're all mad they're all, they're oh all my god march anger yeah i love that you're like here's my vision for a restaurant and here's my vision for the type of clientele we're going to attract <laughs> yeah buses of family members screaming at each other oh, yeah oh, i mean i don't god. mean to be rude but it's like i'm picturing you waiting on my fucking aunt her husband and their three gross boys who are my mm-hmm. cousins but you know, but oh, like, I mean, it's it's just jesus and basketball that's and, all and how can you not just 
be in the weeds no matter what as much as you're like i'm used to all of this you're probably just like yeah i'm just it's just you're just like constantly in the weeds like i was just gonna say that the young men are at an age only because i know where they're not expected like 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 they're mouth breathing and looking at the tv Mm -hmm. and so their parents are like jeremy jeremy order or and they're like uh duh. Mm-hmm. and like they don't make it's it's like it's really tough they're not adults yet but they're old enough to be able to make eye contact and say what they want for lunch but they don't and it's yeah. just this uh gross yeah and they these people are these people these people <laughs> they, they, come, they come from surrounding they come from surrounding little towns where like right. they're if they eat if they dine out it's at like the lunch counter with where they get like the hot plate specials and you know it's like and they know all the servers and whatever and so they come to austin and they they have a chip on their shoulder austin is already a place they don't really want to be yeah they're like this is where all the liberal naked hippies live Mm -hmm. this can't be yogurt this This can't be yogurt (laughs) (laughs) and so uh you know they would come they would show up by the by the the van full and mm-hmm. um, sometimes, you know, 10 top, 20 top. And are, are you um, are you picturing what that van smells like? It's always like farts and fast food. No, no, they're all they're They all smell like uh, lilac. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they all smell like lavender and chamomile. Mm-hmm. No, they're just and they they, they brought the smell with them. But <laughs> they were and they just have no cooth at all like i'm not i'm not one of these like fine dining people who are like you know human beings are human beings right you know you, we're, we're all we all have we're all just human and so but these people come in and uh they treat it like like they don't know they're a 20 top like they they they, they feel like they're a three they're only thinking of themselves so it's like they're only thinking of their own yeah. order they don't take into account that it's gonna be a process and so they all sit down they're all impatient um but sometimes there's a little moment of levity like one time this this woman came in with her three kids and her husband and they were you know and they asked you if the music could be turned down any lower they did not ask me if the music to be turned down lower but i i think uh there's just a certain kind of parent where like I feel, I I feel so bad for the kids because the parents seem to go out of their way to try to humiliate their kids, sure. uh, or just like, well, I'll just this one table. The woman comes in, and I haven't even really like I greet her like hi, and she's like, okay, calm down, hey, calm down, calm down. She looks at me and she points to her smallest kid, and she's like, she's got Crohn's disease. Do you have anything she can have? And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. privacy a different family maybe let me get her let me get her that family they seem quiet and do you slip her you slip her the note we hear about these hero stories you slip the note that is like do you need help right. do you, yeah or do you want to eat somewhere else like i'll take you i don't know like it was just i just felt so bad but it was like that that's just sort of like how they f- there's no consideration at all for anything like it's not even like oh we got to be good at this restaurant it's just like you treat your own family like that there's no and then and then it it just seems to be like a a a, so much overlap in interests among these families they all eat the same thing they (laughs) they all eat salad with like three sides of ranch Mm -hmm. and then they'll get pizza with three sides of ranch and they will get sweet tea with like 90 refills 
And uh, and it's just kind of impressive how consistent they are and like how and it's just like, you guys should all just start a con like a utopian commune yes. somewhere where you just you can make your own pizza and your own ranch mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you can homemade ranch. ranch is delicious. And I mean, they can, might. I do think they're addicted to the chemicals technically. Oh, absolutely. And so that's why they're like, I need more ranch. Yeah. My ranch levels are dropping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just tested my blood and my, my ranch glucose levels are dangerous. I'm only low. about 20 percent ranch in my blood i need to be about 40 percent ranch in my blood yeah. otherwise i don't know i'm real, sorry that's a terrible impression of what this waiter um <laughs> and i'm sure that the, the doctor was like oh she has Crohn's disease she can't have pizza or ranch and she's well you're on your own <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what you're gonna eat i don't know what there else is you know um yeah i i feel like with Crohn's, it's just like information anyway anywho it just yeah, sounds like the mom was like Selling her disease to maybe I don't know. I should, fucking full knows. disclosure. Like, I did not know what Crohn's disease was in that moment, and sure. I was just like, I don't know. And she's just like, oh well. Uh, and she, well, she shits of, her pants. She shits her pants a lot. Yeah. You understand now, yeah, right? Right. She can't help it. She's shitting now. Get her something. So right. yeah, it was. I I felt so. I went back and googled it, and I was like, oh my god, it's just like right. the layers it's- of of like. I mean, I, I, my family did some embarrassing things, but one thing we didn't do much is is dine out because I feel like we had the presence of my like. I come from a big gigantic family and we just we knew we weren't restaurant perfect like, <laughs> we weren't restaurant ready we were not restaurant ready baby. We're not, no 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 and uh i remember one of the stories my family likes to tell is that um the night my mom went into labor with me they were all dining out at this place called yield college in yield college Inn. it's this old place in new orleans it's an institution i don't think it's there anymore but um but they were like, we never got to eat out. And there we were dining out at Yule College Inn and mom goes into labor and and then we had to leave in the middle of the meal. Cause Seth was being born. Yeah, I was being fucking born. Fault. Wow. Yeah. And so I just, yeah, I I came uninvited and just I I crashed the party and uh cool. And, uh, great, great. Thanks, little bro. I wish mm-hmm. I, I wish I would have gotten uh that plate of ribs instead of a new little brother. Thanks right. so much. Then in that <laughs> sentiment never really went away. There's still I think they're yeah. still kind of burned up about it. You know, it's like, <laughs> You can go to Yield College Inn whenever you want. Um, I mean, maybe that's why you're anemic because your mom didn't get to eat that meal at the restaurant. You never know. I I always I think about that often, but uh, (laughs) but yeah, I was uh, yeah. Got it. God, you just you blew. You know what? That's great. I I mean, I was just like, move over South by Southwest. March Madness. March Madness. Seth Vietnam. Okay, and yeah, it is March. So start to trigger you during the month. I guess we're 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 talking about it now. It's it's Mm -hmm. on point. It's on point. So you served through Austin then you were also working at a co-op as a cheesemonger then you made your way to Brooklyn where if I believe were you in Park Slope or Cobble Hill yeah Smith okay where okay so now you're full-time cheesemonger yeah yeah so I which did, were you certified were you, were you a certified no, cheese professional no okay. so here's the thing um I learned <laughs> I got as I became a cheese the, the more I learned about cheese in the cheese industry I was kind of like simultaneously learning a lot about well not learning but getting obsessed with with politics and cheese is a very political 
thing, as you can imagine, everything in the United States is kind of like politically charged and cheese is no exception. And, <laughs> um, and so there's like, I found myself kind of being the odd cheesemonger out where it's just like, <laughs> I, I mean, a lot of people were into like, oh, I want to learn, I want to become a, a certified cheesemonger and I want to run a cheese shop. I want to go to the ACS and, uh, you know, I want to go to the, the cheesemonger invitational, which was in Queens, where like, it's like this big competition where you have to slice a quarter pound of cheese on the dot and you have to wrap it perfectly and all this stuff. I'm writing and, this down. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if the ACS, the, the, the cheesemonger invitational is still a thing, but I was just like, I mean, I'm doing comedy at the same time. And I'm like, that is, that would take more dedication to win the Cheesemonger Invitational than it would to like, I don't know. Start get, a career in comedy. Get passed at a club or totally. something. Totally. And, and, and almost no return in investment. You just. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like it, you know, you were talking about starting in Whole Foods, you know, before. Now, a lot of people who are cheesemongers, like Whole Foods sends them. They actually make up a big percentage yeah. of people who are certified cheese professionals. Yeah. Um, and just to give some fun background about what it takes. It's a three hour exam. It's 150 questions. But you also at the same time have to have either 4000 paid hours in the cheese industry or 2000 hours and then like 2000 hours in like a professional like um, um, like, you know, continuing education, like right anywhere in a career field like that, which is weird. But anyway, but on top of having to do your point cuts and everything like that, you, there's a new, um, as of 2018, the ACS expanded its certification to include this ACS taste test. So it's a hands-on exam that evaluates cheese pros, knowledge and skills and assessing the quality, flavor, texture and appearance of cheese. So oh. this is taste, taste stands for technical aesthetic sensory tasting evaluation. Those who pass the exam are in the ACS certified cheese sensory evaluator uh, or the ACS CCSE. Duh, you guys, you knew that already. Guys, oh. no, no, no. The, and I just, because I, this is new to me, the ACS stands for the American Cheese Society. Uh-huh, uh-huh, mm -hmm. uh-huh. Mm -hmm. So those who have taken it say it's really, it's it's super similar, it's super, super challenging. Um, and then um, you also have to do one part of the, the exam is to um, identify 10 vials of milk based on sense uh scent alone which reminds me of napoleon dynamite when he's doing the 4-h stuff remember when he's tasted he's like the defect in that one is bleach this then he's like this cow ate some onions like that's kind of how i feel like oh, yeah. you have to be um but yeah it does seem like so much work and you it sounds like to me seth you have to be so fucking psyched and geeked about cheese oh, yeah. that you that you just have to be like, yeah, I got it. And I probably will never make any money. And, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. well, like, yeah, I think a lot of, I think a lot of cheesemongers are like really dedicated life or cheesemongers. Um, you know, they started out as a hobby and then, you know, they, but they had the capital to kind of get into it and maybe right. they don't need a huge return. Um, but I was like it, I didn't under, I mean, comedy, you guys know you put in 10,000 hours or whatever, and there's no certification, but it's yeah, like, right. it's still, it's still, I think more fun and more gratifying and potentially a greater return. Like you can never really become a world famous multimillionaire cheesemonger 
Whereas yeah. like comedy, there's a, there's a door, you know, if you can find it and going, but with cheese monging, it's like, you're going to always just, you never really transcend the cheese world. And so I was, just, I found my, I was conflicted because it's like, Oh, I know a lot about cheese. I'm like halfway there, but then I would just be kind of, I would be, I, I would be left with l- less, fewer resources, I think. And like, not skills to pivot to anything else. So I, the entire time I was a cheesemonger, I was like, how long can I do this? And uh, how, how many years do I have? This is the only thing on my resume. The cheese has sucked me in. Right. The cheese it, took my best years. You You're know, like, I've, how long can my fingers smell like this all the time? I, I actually, I pivoted. It was pretty easy to pivot to wine. I, I the, my last gig in, in Brooklyn, I, I managed a wine shop. Um, were you, were you at Stinky in Brooklyn? I was at Stinky and then Stinky, Great name. I, I pivoted from, well, Stinky helped me get my management job at Valley Shepherd. Okay. Um, I don't think Valley Shepherd op- operates, um, I don't think Valley Shepherd operates in New York anymore, but I, I think they, they still have their flagship store in the Reading Terminal in Philly. That's in Philly, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, the store that I managed is now closed. No fault of my own, but uh, <laughs> uh, I was it was just uh, the the cheese world is very very super interesting. It's like soccer, mm-hmm. as far as like I compare it to soccer because in the states, Americans understand cheese very little. Uh, <laughs> they don't really know how it's made, and they don't really understand like like the ends like they don't understand how complex it is uh and especially in america um like uh the regulations are so just like everything else like the um, the dairy association is obsessed with with well not obsessed, they're trying to get uh regulations updated mm-hmm. um and the 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 fda is it the fda yeah the food mm-hmm. drug administration mm-hmm. the food and drug administration is just sitting on their hands and like Every cheese lobby is like begging them to just make these small changes mm-hmm. and the FDA won't do it because Kraft doesn't want is them to lobbying. Yeah. They're like, you're lobbying in DC. They're like, they're, they're lining pockets. You know, I was, yeah, this is crazy that there's big cheese, right? Big there cheese. Is big cheese. I've, I heard about the, the underground bunkers of government cheese. Oh, that, I'm not lying. That? I've mentioned it a few times. It's it's this whole, it's this, I'm going to, I'm going to, well, you know And what? it's not like, the good stuff. It's not a cave. No, it's it's not right. cave. There's nothing like, caving down they're, there. They're like American cheese bricks, like the t- t- like literal government cheese where ugh, it's this whole mess that they pumped all this money into American dairy farmers to create, yeah. to create more. Uh, it's, it's a whole thing. So now we're just literally, they're like underground bunkers filled with like millions of pounds wow. of unused cheese. That's it's really sad. Weird. It's really so, sad. It's really so I, also funny. I love your analogy. I love your analogy about talking about making it soccer. And then it's also like, you don't know what it's like to be a true fan. I am a nerd for it's cheese. True. And I, and even just you like working at a shop, like called fucking stinky. I'm um, shout out like milk farm, and Eagle rock, mm-hmm. shout out, say cheese it, over on Hyperion and silver. Lake. these like going into like, and if you guys have a local cheese shop out there that you haven't been into, go find it. It's so fun oh, yeah. to go into cheese shops and learn. And I assume 
when people walk in, it's you know people are probably dumb. Let's not let's admit it. You know, and maybe, <laughs> you know it's like maybe it's not their fault. You know, they haven't mm-hmm. like you said. This is um this is the United States. We don't we don't have the plethora of amazing artisanal like regional cheese that's been made for the same way for hundreds of fucking years, no, like it is yeah. in France, like it is in Italy, like it is you know. Um, but would you say people who are cheese curious were your favorite types of customers? You oh, know, oh, I would yeah. assume. Oh, they were a blessing. They were also the minority. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, like, t- start with start with the good. Yeah. yeah. So um, the best, the be- the very best customer I had uh, working in at, uh, when I managed to shop at Valley Shepherd uh, was Steve Buscemi. Oh, nice. Steve Buscemi, of course. Steve of Buscemi, course he was. <laughs> like, far and above was just, he's just like the ideal human being. Mm-hmm. It's just like when Steve Buscemi comes in and he very humbly says, I would like an assortment of five cheeses for my wife. You pick, uh, cause I don't know anything about cheese. And he said that every single time. Uh, and I never let on that. I knew who he was. And he always had like a black hat, like an unmarked plain black hat and sunglasses. And he would just come in and be like, I need cheese for my wife. Um, and he was just the nicest person. And I say he's been best customer because literally no one else was that pleasant. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, it's like, oh, he's not baseline. He's actually the best. And so, uh. but I also love the people who come in and they were like, oh, I've tried this and this and this. And they, they poke him on their way through our, our case until they've tried them all. And it's like, you know, it's really fun to work with those kind of people. And there's people that are like learning cheese and they'll, I don't really like to, you know, like nobody wants to be, uh, have their ear talked off by, by cheese nerds, but it's better than the, the other types of customers who would come in and they just want to stay ignorant and angry no matter what. And they're, they have a problem that they bring in with them from outside and they take it out on me. And that's just any industry, but cheese, the thing, reason why I bring up soccer is soccer annoys Americans and cheese's complexity annoys Americans because <laughs> they grow up eating a square of orange plastic, essentially, that we call American cheese. Right. Totally fucked us. So now we can't say these are all American cheeses. And people are like, huh? So you have to say domestic, which sounds mm. really clinical. And so already we're working at like, a handicap essentially it's just like oh uh you know these are domestic cheeses and they're like what well, does that mean they're like they're they're just, what is that do they're not very good they're not world class or whatever is just like no like they, no let me just use bigger words so your caveman brain can fucking like it, distinguish exactly. is this cheese stealing our jobs yeah is this cheese beating his wife i don't know is this cheese <laughs> think i'm dumb right it, <laughs> But it this can't does. be yogurt. I know you say it's cheese, but it can't be yogurt. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it just, she definitely thinks you're dumb. Uh, but you, it, but the, 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 the really sad thing about it is, is um, we could have, we could have had like world-class cheeses on par with Europe and Italy. Um, but our government just does the opposite. It's just like, everything else, just like everything our government handles, you know, it's just like the tipping and our healthcare, it's all piecemeal, bad ideas stacked on top of each other. And because it's what we're used to, we defend it. And mm-hmm. so our system of, of cheese, 90% of subsidies of dairy subsidies go to 10% of the farms. So small, small cheese farms 
will never, will really probably never make a profit. I mean, you really have to work your ass off. And also the government's constantly trying to change the regulations to hurt them. So instead of listening to them, be like, oh, you want us to recategorize all these milks and you want us to recategorize. Well, in the meantime, we're going to mandate that you switch out all your wooden aging shelves to stainless Mm -hmm. steel because Kraft wanted us to. And like, (laughs) and it's- But that fucks with the integrity of like, I remember hearing a story about a woman, was it French? She was a nun. And then she would always make the cheese and she had her wooden barrels. And like, that's where the enzymes come from. They come from the lactic acid and the wood. And like, and then all of a sudden she gets cracked down on because it's not sanitary. And it's this thing that like it's bacteria. So it's kind of like sanitizing itself in a way. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's been happening for hundreds and hundreds of years. And integrity is being stripped. It's being. Yeah. And and if you're just like, but what don't you understand what cheese is like? from the get-go anyways like it's it's, it's penicillin bitch. it's, it's penicillin. it's it's mm-hmm. that's why we love it right that's uh and so that's and so we have a clientele that's like you have to be really nerdy about it it's like soccer in, in america it's like the, the the fans are like really die hard and then there's outsiders who are like oh i played soccer as a kid and i never understood it i mean if you grew up eating american cheese you're not eating cheese, but you grow to understand cheese in a very specific way. And then you look at European cheeses as like snobby. And it's like, hey, people, it's all peasant food. It's all Mm -hmm. (laughs) like charcuterie and cheese is like made out of necessity. It's all, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, uh, but we, we re, we re marketed it as like, Fancy. Fancy. And it's really, it takes nothing to, all you need is time and salt, essentially. But uh, they, you know, people come in and they don't like to be confused by anything. And so if you get too technical when you're talking about it, they get, get angry. They get really mm-hmm. angry. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I was just like, this is do, really do, are sad. You able to sh- are you able to shut them up when you give them a little taste? Well, are they like like little babies? Give them the bottle and then they're like, I'm not as angry. Yeah, but um, but give Getting them to getting them to widen their palate is a is a bigger problem because they'll 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 tell they'll taste something and then they'll be like that's gross I don't want that and they just they they decide that taking a risk was not worth it and so they just get their whatever uh, their their normal cheeses but it's really I, there needs to be a complete overhaul of the regulations and the and the and the the subsidies which will I mean. If that happens, it means we've solved a bunch of other problems. <laughs> so, but that's it's, it's not about the cheese regulations, guys. It's about more right. than that. Right. It's so it's a uh, it's just how America does things. Uh, and it's just like if you uh, can turn a profit, then you can set the tone for the next generation uh, and whether it's where's the best thing or not. Um, but like instead of the little orange square, we could hang our hat on something really good. We just had no interest in it because, uh, you know, Kraft hit on something pretty great during World War II and we all got used to it. And then they sure. kind of like, they were like, we're never going back. And please, like, you know, I I, I will say out loud, there is a time and a place for American cheese. On You know what Absolutely. I mean? There's there, oh. It's still like fucking delightful. I had this uh, breakfast ramen when I was on Maui last week and they uh, they tossed the noodles in American cheese before setting it down in the broth. Can you imagine? <laughs> Mind blowing. Uh, but moving forward, like, can you and I, as all the cheeses, I'm sure you've tried thousands of different types. Um, any Ooh. any highlights, any any fun tips, any no, cheeses? Yeah. Let's put it this way. 
can you give um, how to make someone okay? So like like basically make them look like pro. Uh, oh yeah, a cheese board. They, yeah, something sure. and that like let, let's think of it in a way that's like a step up from you know I think all of us are immediately picturing like Brie goat. Mm-hmm. That's what we know. A sharp mm-hmm. cheddar, maybe mm-hmm. a manchego. Mm-hmm. So could you give us three to five that are sort of in that realm of taste that are going to make yes. you look like a spuck? Especially ass. anybody who's putting together their March Madness cheese yeah, platters. Yeah. You know, these Christian Mormon families with their mm-hmm. cheese boards and charcuterie and their 14 children. Mormons only eat unscented cheese. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the, the bland, bland flavor, please. Oh, um, yeah. I was just like that Simpsons joke where it's like, oh, who wants ice milk? I want winter oh, green, yeah. non-flavored for me. Unflavored for me. Oh, <laughs> more Simpsons. Um, so, okay, dream cheese board, I guess. Uh, my favorite cheese, it's not rare. It's rare that a, that, um, a regular like cheese shop will carry it, but some really kind of upscale cheese shops tend to carry it because you have to keep it under like a, like a cake dome. It's called Navat. Uh, have you ever heard of Navat? It's a it's a it's a big, soft kind of pillowy dome of sheep's milk cheese, and it's the most amazing thing. It's like slightly. It's not like a brie. It's a little bit more uh, like I don't know what the word is. I don't want to say gooey, but I already said it. It's I know what you're talking about. Um, it's it's a it's a firm, pliable uh, white sheep's milk cheese, and it's just tastes like a cloud and it's amazing. So that would be one. Uh, and then um, for goat, uh, I really like goat goudas. They're Me really, too. So goat goudas are like, like Midnight Moon is like every child's favorite cheese now. Like every, every. That's crazy, right? Every mm-hmm. upper middle class child's favorite cheese. <laughs> like, like, you know, every, every other kid is still eating American cheese, but like, if you get into like Park Slope, all the kids are eating Midnight Moon. That's and, hilarious. Uh, <laughs> and there's God. really, you don't need to get to, if, cause the weirder goat, no, goat, goat's milk cheeses don't actually taste that great. They just get weirder and more <laughs> tangy and kind of just, uh, they, you know, it's like, uh, if it, the the longer you age goat's milk cheese, it just kind of loses its goaty quality and it mm-hmm. has this really. I mean, it's all it's all like relative, but. I mean, I can attest. I have a aged uh, goat goat gouda in the fridge that it's crystallized. It's a little. You still get the good goat flavor in there. It's a really nice balance, but it's not like too dark and caramely. You know what I mean? And I would imagine yeah. that's when you get like the it would get weird. The that, crystals, yeah. yeah, and that's a really that that's with cow's milk. Uh, it's just it the enzymes are act a little different like goat's milk the texture and never really gets quite like cow's milk but um i wish i were funnier about this and just no we actually like so fucking interesting right now <laughs> asked a very, um, and i'm taking notes and i'm gonna oh i'm it. taking notes too <laughs> and i'm gonna put these notes in my iphone so then yeah. when mm-hmm. i'm at a restaurant mm-hmm. i've got a broader knowledge so okay. for cow's milk see i'm a i'm pretty easy to please like really I, I'm not a I'm not a cheese hipster. I don't need it to be too esoteric. Uh, typically, if a cheese isn't exported to the states all that often, uh, and it's really weird once you get it, like like places in Europe, I don't tend not to export their best stuff, and so we get kind of like this the shelf stable stuff that 
survives a shipment and it's usually the worst wheel like if you get if you get stilton in the states you know it's like the not even close to like stilton in in england because they're shipping us all their shit and why would they give us the good shit yeah and they literally can't like it doesn't really make the trip all that well so they're like okay this this you can have this because it's not going to be great in the first place so like it's seeking out really esoteric cheeses uh is kind of it's not really worth it you just go to europe and do it um which i have i I say that i've never been out of the states but anyway so uh (laughs) Just get out of the country, please. So uh, go go learn about something, you know, firsthand, because I don't know. But uh, so Navat and Midnight Moon, which is which is a really good crowd pleaser. But uh, as far as cow's milk, cheese, uh, Telegio, again, yeah. super easy, super popular. But that's the whole point, because like uh, Telegio is um is the best cheese in the world to me. Uh, I even if it's like organic or not organic or, or, or raw milk, raw milk telegio is always the best. There's a truffle mm. telegio. If you can find it, mm-hmm. uh, it's I've had that. truffle telegio. I usually don't like truffles, uh, but truffle telegio is like the perfect amount of that umami flavor. Um, and if you have room for two more and you want to do like, I always um, do like a three milk cheese. So you could do like uh like there's a few good three milk cheeses um but they that's just more like that's just a farm kind of working with what they have you know it's just like ah we're out of cow's milk let's just throw the other two in there and make a cheese out of that doesn't necessarily make the cheese better but it is it is fun um uh i can't remember any names of the three milk cheeses i didn't have them that often but i will say that quadrello would be my fourth um it's Buffalo milk telegio. I don't really, I don't really stray too far away from wash rinds when it comes to cow's milk cheese. Ooh. Like uh, I like wash, I like stinky wash rind cheeses, mm-hmm. like uh, Limburger and Munster, the real stuff from like from Germany that smells like uh, you know a foot, uh, just the <laughs> worst, just like athlete's foot. It's what it smells like, but delicious absolutely delicious um but quadrello is is if you don't want a stinky cow's milk telegio cheese quadrello is like the uh really mild creamy kind of like crowd pleaser wash rind so it's like if you get like a really ripe one it might have a little funk to it but like quadrello just regular buffalo milk telegio is like it is it is dreams not weird in any way whatsoever it's actually i just put three pretty non scary cheeses give us one scary as our fine one, oh yeah one scary cheese um, scary but palatable to people yeah, is there anything made with explore? like shark's milk or shark's make milk <laughs> <laughs> there's uh there's yak's milk uh cheese which is uh a little strange i give it that to from, my like, dog it comes from Nepal. As mm-hmm. They they do mostly yak's milk, and then there's camel's milk cheese, which just uh, hit the. Uh, but the, the, all that stuff, it tastes fine. Um, the the most like uh, like offensive kind of wash rind. There's one. Uh, there's actually in the states we make really really stinky wash rind cheeses, because what happens is if we get it from Europe, they, we don't really get there super aged stuff like it, mm-hmm. if we order something that's too ripe 
obviously it's going to show up smelling like ammonia or whatever. Um, so uh, there's some places upstate New York that farms, they have uh, really good wash dry cheeses and they're all the names are escaping me. Um, there's Oma. Oma from, um, oh fuck. It, they're in Vermont. Let me look it up. I'm going to do some real quick little, <laughs> but all, this if, is, you, if you come yeah, across Yeah, we'll Oma, stretch. If you come across <laughs> Oma, it is from a very, very good farm. Um, I'm pretty sure Oma cheese. And Oma means uh, grandma, I think. In, yeah, uh, that makes oh, sense. Oh, Jasper Hill. So you guys are familiar with Jasper Hill. Yes, yeah. I am. So Oma is Jasper Hill's take on Telegio. Okay. So it's essentially made in the exact same way. You just take a, you know, soft ripened cow's milk cheese, and then they wash the rind with like this brine over and over and over and over again. And then they age it. And that's how it, that's why it turns orange and it, and it stinks like that. But Oma is, is like, uh, it's like oniony and garlicky and fucking pungent as hell when it's like good and ripe. Uh, and it's actually, I, I like it more than I would eat it over Telegio. Just, you know, if I'm going to support a, uh, a, a domestic cheese, uh, it would be almost probably my favorite. God, I know. I and, I... and probably the top line heard eating all my cheeses. This can't be yogurt, right? Uh, right. I can't <laughs> stop. Um, Seth, thank you for geeking out. This is like exactly what I wanted. Um, thank you. We have absolutely like, I'm happy to like, I'm glad this is a longer episode. I'm like, let it happen. <laughs> Tell us about cheese. Absolutely. Anytime. Feed us knowledge that we can then turn around and like, cause I'm, I'm going to go to the wife. There's, have you been to the wife and Psalm out this way? They put together really good cheese boards. And so I'm going to go out of my comfort zone and try, I'm sure they would have something comparable to one of the five things you just we're gonna so. pull out our list and like compare it you know My which is fucking Steph. great yeah exactly the specialty the specialty food show is coming up i think um i think it's in vegas but sometimes it's sometimes it's in new york sometimes in Vegas. so if you guys are oh i mean you, you get guys, all the bites of all do a the service things. industry podcast you mm-hmm. guys should try to get invited to the specialty food show <laughs> okay that's a fucking great tip right I, there here's a tip get invited to the specialty food show that would um, be the first time i would ever willingly go to vegas so you, oh. got, me. you got me yeah, yeah. there's fun stuff um I know. I know. seth thank you so much for coming on and speaking with us today it's been a blast a real cheese part of an episode guys in a good way. oh yeah in a great way <laughs> I love it. Um, And you know what we say at the end of every episode, everyone, Godspeed. Good tips. And we'll see you next week. Oh, my God. I'm starving. Please tip. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.